0: Welcome to episode 13 of the New Kind of Man podcast. This is Chad, the host of the New Kind of Man podcast, and I am so grateful that you are along for the ride. Today we have set up for you just an amazing conversation with really an amazing guy. Greg Amundsen is on this show, and Greg, just some of his accolades and accomplishments, Greg became a founding athlete of this now little startup known as CrossFit, like the national and worldwide movement of CrossFit, he is actually one of the original athletes of before CrossFit is what it is today, and he was trained by the founder of CrossFit himself, Coach Greg Glassman. He is a holder of a black belt in Krav Maga. In 2011, during a SealFit Kokoro camp, Greg began an advanced course of study in what is known as Warrior Yoga or Kokoro Yoga, with SealFit and Warrior Yoga founder, Commander Mark Devine uh, of the U.S. Navy SEALs. And since then, Greg has become certified as an advanced teacher in Kokoro Yoga. Greg has also served in both state and federal law enforcement for over 16 years in numerous capacities, everything from SWAT to being a special agent with the DEA, working on the southwest border. Greg also has served as a U.S. Army military police captain and attack officer, where he instructed combatives, yoga, CrossFit, and leadership at the United States Army Officer Candidate School in San Luis Obispo, California. And Greg, through his work, he's been featured on numerous uh, magazines and articles, including competitor magazine, Men's Health, Wad Talk magazine, Outside magazine, Inside the Box magazine, and Police magazine. Greg has also authored many books, and some of the books I'll mention is uh, in this order: Your wife is not your sister. God in me is the second book. A third book would be Fire Breather Fitness and the Amazon number one multi-category best-selling book, The Warrior and the Monk. And we talk at length, really, in, in this podcast about his latest book, The Good Soldier, How to Fight Well, Finish the Race, and Keep the Faith. And let me tell you, it is a must read. He also has his own podcast show, and he brings just this really encouraging and inspiring message about a warrior's perspective on the Word of God. So you stick in with the conversation, listen to it all the way through. You're going to hear that through his message. So Greg is a fascinating guy, and I cannot wait for us to get into this conversation. We get into into the depths of what it means to be a man of God and how, you, how a man of God is also a warrior. I ask the question, should Christians do yoga? And I ask him a, just a, a deeper cut question, how do we grow by using it? And what are some things that a man needs to do to become strong physically and spiritually, and also an interesting perspective that he has I really wanted to dig into was how was physical fitness integrated into worship of God. So we talk about that and so much more in this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Listen to it all the way through. Welcome to the New Kind of Man podcast, where we are growing stronger and more capable men. We believe that every man can be a good man, and we are here to help men on their journey to become new men. These men will become better at leading themselves and better at leading in their homes and workplaces. Paul the Apostle gave the command to put on the new man. On this podcast, I interview people who've become new men relationally, physically, spiritually, or intellectually. This happens through their stories of stretching, grit, and determination. We want the good, the bad, and the ugly so we all can become better men. So let's get after it. Well, today we have the pleasure of having on Greg Amundsen on to the New Kind of Man podcast. And uh, I just want to say thanks, Greg. Thanks for coming on today.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, if you don't know the name Greg Amundsen, it probably means that you're not connected to the world of physical fitness or <laughs> crossfit or a bunch of other things that greg has been into uh, he's actually asked me specifically not to go through his full bio because it would take <laughs> the full show to do so not because he said that because i read it uh, he uh he, he's a man of, of many gifts and talents and now he's using all of those as a centrifuge of sorts in to bring out the message of the gospel so i thought that was uh, just a very compelling reason to have you on and again i just want to say thanks for for joining us
1: today. I've been looking forward to it. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Well, here's how we start. We start with the fast five. I'm just gonna give you kind of five real quick questions. And uh, I've done a little bit of of research on you uh, as much as I could, you know, coast to coast. You being, are you in Santa Cruz? Is that where you are? Yes,
1: I am. So we're on other sides of the country from each other. That's right.
0: (laughs) I mean, gotta love technology, right? You got to. Where we can have this, this is great. So here's my first one. I want to get, I just want to ask a question. What is your favorite Bible verse? Well,
1: seeing as how you and I are so like-minded right now, I'm fascinated by Luke Mm 2.52. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and mankind.
0: That's just awesome. We're going to chew on that. We are going to chew on that. that. That is a fantastic verse. All right. So, and if you could apprentice under anyone from history, who would it be? jesus yeah (laughs) yeah i mean mean, in
1: many respects we we have that capacity you know we open up the scriptures and we can still sit at the feet of our lord but nevertheless if i could be alive at any time in history i would have loved to have been a disciple of jesus
0: Mm -hmm. man i would have loved that opportunity too and uh, i I don't think that i would probably ask near the questions that i should have but (laughs) just to sit in awe and and to observe his life and uh, I don't think that we have, other than the scriptures, which I'm thankful of, of course. But other than that, we have no way of grasping just the the immensity of Him as a man, and then just in His life and obviously death, burial, resurrection. So that's mm-hmm. that's amazing. Look, you are a very disciplined person. I just I was observing some of the pictures, and I don't know your you know what your weight and that's irrelevant but i was looking at some pictures from years ago and you could tell you worked out and now you can tell that you've actually you still work out and you're very very fit and it seems like you've trimmed up a lot and that that seems to be uh, something that you're very disciplined and so in you being so disciplined what is one thing that you commit to do every day
1: i have a very disciplined morning ritual
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: meditation bible study silence with Mm -hmm. the Lord. So that's been something that has allowed me to put first things first. Mm. So I found that that's the governing principle is if I put Jesus first, first thing in the morning, that tends to calibrate the rest of my day in the trajectory that I want to go.
0: Yeah. I I have the same uh, ritual or routine in the morning too, just for the exact same perspective. And, for me, I, I tend to be someone who fills my day rather full, and I know that if I don't get it early on, then my, my spiritual maturity, my, my spiritual discipline, it, they're just going to get what's left over, mm-hmm. and that's going produce even the best version of me, and that doesn't even glorify God when I do that. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so I'm with you there. I try to be disciplined in that regard. Uh, so what is one song or an artist that is on your workout playlist?
1: Hillsong United is a big Mm. group that I tend to have on my Pandora station. Mm -hmm. I just plug into Pandora, Hillsong United. There's one specific song. It's your breath in our lungs, Mm -hmm. so we pour out our praise. That song is amazing. When that song comes out, while I'm working out, oh man, it's so good because Mm. the next breath I take in, It reminds me, oh, yeah, that's the breath of God in my lungs.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's amazing. That
1: song is amazing. Yeah.
0: You know, I've said something very similar when, not necessarily when I'm working out or or I'm in the gym, that kind of thing. I work out in a public gym, and you have your own gym uh, that uh, that you're in all the time. But for me, I go to a public gym, or even here I have a little home gym area. But when I'm off and running, oftentimes I'll listen to the the song from Hillsong United right now is good grace is, is the song is just rocking my world. And I I tell people, I'm like, it's sometimes when I'm running, I don't even think of, I don't even think about the fact that I'm running. It's like, I'm so drawn into that moment and to that, that connection that it's a worshipful, it's a worshipful thing for me running while and these songs kind of just draw me in.
1: Yeah. I train a professional boxer named Robert Guerrero, Mm -hmm. six time world champion boxer Huge heart for the Lord, very mm-hmm. open, courageous Christian. We have this saying where it's not a workout, it's worship. Mm. so we had this paradigm shift where when we're working out, we can make that workout a worship experience
0: mm-hmm. so <laughs> is, is that rooted in the scripture that your body is a temple of the holy spirit is that is that what the kind of the crux of that is? that would certainly substantiate that proposition, although mm-hmm
1: doesn't have to necessarily rely on that because other scriptures seem to indicate that everything we do should glorify the Lord right so everything if I can bring everything into submission to the Lord I'll do it right I just found that exercise can be a really awesome means of worship
0: yeah well said well said I agree well here's here's another question and it's the final one through the Fast Five. You, you are just soaring through these Fast Five, by the way. So <laughs> we, now we're at the last one. If you were stranded on an island and could only bring one thing for your personal fitness, what would it be?
1: I've got it. Just my body. That's all I need. Ah, gotcha. I wouldn't need a single piece of equipment or apparatus. Just my body.
0: Gotta love it. You just move it right. Use the right forms of resistance, and it'll do everything you need, huh?
1: Yeah, just what God gave me. I carry the perfect piece of exercise equipment around with me, twenty-four-seven.
0: <laughs> right on. Yeah. Right on. Well, let's roll into the spur, and I want to give you this quote. Um, by the way, just all of you men who are listening, Greg has authored several books, so I'm going to give a uh, just some quotes from his books to, as to as just a little primer for the conversation, but. One of the quotes that I found from your book, Greg, is this, as a spiritual warrior anointed by God, your mindset should be one of eagerness to be deployed unto the ultimate battlefield of life. What did you mean by that?
1: Well, I think back to seasons of my life when I was being trained for the purpose of law enforcement Mm -hmm. and military. And what was instilled to me while I was in the various law enforcement academies and military institutions that I was in was, gentlemen, the training is going to be hard. However, the training, although hard, will pale in comparison to what you're going to face on the street or -hmm. what you're going to face on the battlefield. So in other words, you should hope and desire and long for hard training because it's equipping you and preparing you for what's coming next. When I had that mindset in the training, I looked forward to the training because I was looking forward to the conclusion of the training because I wanted to be deployed. I wanted to be on the street protecting and serving. And I thought, well, it's very similar in the spiritual quest and in the spiritual journey. We should desire to be equipped as men so thoroughly grounded in the word of god so prepared so trained so forged so tempered that we would be chopping at the bit to be out in the world serving and proclaiming the gospel
2: hmm.
0: i wish i would have had that bit of instruction that you made so clear just now i wish I would have had that whenever i was in going into the navy and into boot camp because it was just one of those things I just dreamt of. I, I was inspired by Top Gun to go into the Navy, and I wanted to work on an aircraft carrier, and that's what I did. I worked on a couple of different ones. I worked on F-18s, and I wanted all of that. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, you know, why boot camp? It's ridiculous. I hate these boondockers that you had to wear and the dungarees. That was back in the, in the, the where you looked actually like you were in the Navy, not now where I think they actually get to wear some form of camouflage and stuff. But I had all of these things. So I just resented the training. Mm-hmm. And I think, as men sometimes we can resent the we can take a very similar posture where we resent the training, and yet what you pose for us is is a great mindset to go into life to say, "No, no, no, what's going on right now is actually going to equip you for your destiny this mm-hmm. isn't This isn't the end of the story, and i if I would have had that whenever I was in boot camp, I'm sure I would have been a better sailor mm-hmm. or, or I certainly I would have matured faster while in, in my time in service. And my attitude would have been better Mm -hmm. um, and would have performed better.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even I see this play out, too, in the CrossFit gym or really any fitness studio that's using weight as the primary means of achieving greater strength. Mm -hmm. The moment that an athlete becomes comfortable with any particular load on the barbell, my role as a coach is to increase the load. To give them more resistance Mm -hmm. why because that increase of resistance will net a return of increased strength Mm -hmm. then the whole cycle repeats itself right so why would it be any different in the spiritual walk god can use these seasons of our life that are testing us to strengthen us right (laughs) then if that's the case we shouldn't be that surprised when that cycle repeats itself
0: right and Yeah. In the Bible, you know, the biblical word for that that's used many times in the new Testament is the word perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that, it's that perseverance and not just into salvation to go to heaven, you know, eternal life, that, that side of it. But I think it's part of the abundant life.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Even what, what Jesus said in John 10, 10, that he's come to give you life and life to the full. I think part of that abundant life here, it's, I mean, it's, it's very, very complicated. We could spend the rest of our lives and, Centuries after trying to really define what Jesus was getting at, because I think it's very vast, mm-hmm. but I believe that part of that is what you're talking about. It's facing the challenges of the day and moving forward.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what we could consider as well is we might need to do a diet I believe it's in First or Second Peter, but this idea that if we're not going through a season of testing, that's what's abnormal. So Mm. the testing, the strengthening, the tempering, the forging, that's normal for a Christian. If we're not experiencing that, something is amiss.
2: Mm.
1: We've become comfortable in an environment that we're not intended to be comfortable in. So there should be some tension between my walk as a Christian man and the person walking adjacent to me, non-Christian. There should be some tension there because we're called entirely different realities
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and that's the the path of least resistance right it's something that that i talk about a lot it's like if we will naturally just follow the path of least resistance even somebody who's saved can just follow the path path of least resistance and of course we don't grow i mean we don't grow unless that resistance is there and Mm -hmm. then then we match that resistance and then we have to increase the resistance like what you're saying to grow some more
1: exactly You know, because we've both had military experiences, I'm sure other people would be able to relate whether military or basic land navigation. You think about the implications of a compass, Mm -hmm. the old-fashioned magnetic north compass. The compass will always point you true, due north. Well, in many respects, we carry a spiritual compass. And biblically speaking, that compass should be pointing us towards challenge. Mm. Yet the problem is, When our compass is working correctly and pointing us towards challenge, people think the compass is broken. Wow. And they begin to think, wait a second, I'm not going the right way. If my compass was working correctly, everything would be easy. Doors would be opening before me, beautiful, clean, clear pasture, life would be good. Right. So my compass must be broken. When in fact, no, your compass is working perfectly. And if you fuss with it, yeah, it's going to break. Because you're going to start to get complacent. You're going
0: yeah. to become weak. Excellent analogy. So, I'm a hiker and I don't get to hike as, as often as I want to. I'm, a, I'm a two and a half hours from the nearest set of mountains that I can hike, and uh, in about four hours away from other mountains that, that I really want to hike, but I can't uh, just because of time. But that you create a uh, just like a mental picture for me. And a lot of times, this is how things form, thoughts form in my mind through a picture it's the goal for us should be growth mm-hmm. it, growth and in, in you know in my work it centers around the four pillars of Luke 252 the mm-hmm. intellectual side relational side the spiritual side the physical side like so those four pillars and so our, our you know we should be if we're using a map continuing the analogy you started our map should our yeah our when we use the map it should be okay we want to go towards growth in these four areas mm-hmm. And yet, we know to go from where we are to where we want to be is is the hardship. It's the resistance. It's the it's it's the pathway to some difficulties, and it's the stretching that gets us from where we are to the to the goal being growth.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That
0: we, we can't grow unless we endure the resistance. Boom! There you go. And. So I just my mind—that's the way my mind works. I'm like, you said that, and I'm like, all right. Greg and I are on a trail. We're up in North Georgia. (laughs) That's where my mind went when you said that. I was like, I was locked into it.
1: Yeah, Chad, watch this. This is the verse I was referring to. It's in First Peter, chapter four, verse twelve. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, Hmm. as though something strange were happening. Right. It's not strange. Right. What would be strange is no fiery ordeal.
0: Yes. (laughs) That's
1: what's abnormal. So, you know, here's the analogy, right? I go to my studio to work out. If the workout's easy, something's abnormal. I Mm. shouldn't be surprised when after the workout, I'm on my back, huffing and puffing, having the sensation that I'm about to die. That's Mm. normal. (laughs) If I'm not experiencing that or sharing that with my athletes, I'm not serving them well as a coach.
0: And I think what you're saying too, it's it it lends into to this idea, something that I I continue to go back and forth. Whenever I slough off at the gym, I get into workout mode. But when I'm on point at the gym, I'm in training mode.
2: Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And
0: to me, that's the difference. It's like just workout mode for me is kind of going through the motions. I went to the gym today, I did a couple sets, I did whatever cardio, but I just I you know, I did what was already in my body to do. I wasn't stretching it to do more. Yeah. And, in and yet switching to a training mode, like who am I becoming by doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, physically, spiritually, it's the same thing. Who am I becoming by doing this?
1: Yeah. I love that.
0: So kind of putting myself in a place of uh, really in a growth pattern. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Excellent. Excellent. I I think all of what we're talking about ultimately begins with identity though. Mm -hmm. I think if, if, for me I have some opinions on identity, maybe we'll get to to see if you share those opinions. But I wanna throw out another quote. And I was really drawn to this because I I've been perplexed by this idea that uh, was brought about and really made famous by Theodore Roosevelt and it's this term muscular Christianity.
2: Mm.
0: And I'm gonna I'm gonna subject a an opinion um, and then I'm going to read this quote, but my opinion is that I think many Christian men have have really grown soft. I mean, their bodies physically grown soft and really spiritually too, probably. Mm-hmm. But I, my opinion is that they're kind of lacking. They're busy, that they're doing what they think is the right thing, but yet they're not operating at, at their peak level because i don't know maybe the the tradition that they're in or maybe their schedule doesn't allow it or maybe because they just have a bad work rest rhythm so they don't have opportunity to to do things at physical fitness so uh, i've been really perplexed on this idea of muscular Christianity to try and redeem some of this thought in our day just from what i see in my context and in the greater context from men that i'm connected with socially so this is the backdrop for this this quote and it's the reason why i was uh, drawn to the quote that you said in your book. God is always more concerned with the person you're becoming than the things you're doing. Mm. And for me, I believe that every man is called to be a, a warrior and to be a biblical warrior. Every Christian man is supposed to be a biblical warrior. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I, I, mean, I wrote a book on it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I
0: mean, you have a lot of thoughts on it.
1: I got a lot of thoughts. I'm in complete agreement. Um, to substantiate that quote, the Although I earlier said Luke 2.52, that is definitely one of my top. I mean, there's so many top verses. One that really was, was a, um, a launching pad into, into the book that you're referencing, The Good Soldier, mm-hmm. was the anointing of King David, the episode where Samuel almost mistakes Eliab for the future king. And mm-hmm. the Lord says, listen although people look at the outward appearance god looks at the heart so the outward appearance is what we do the heart is who we are mm. and what god is concerned with is our heart is the person that we're becoming not necessarily the things that we're doing right and that's important because unless we continually recalibrate our minds to that reality we will chase endlessly the doingness of life Mm -hmm. and forget about who God wants us to be.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I see that as, as the being who it is that God wants us to be, that's the identity piece. Mm -hmm. And then the doing is the purpose behind the identity.
1: Exactly. But it has to be in that order. Mm -hmm. So being must necessarily precede doing. In order to make sure the doing is in alignment with God's will for our life, we can do a lot of things and completely miss the mark.
0: Oh, I can tell you, I've done it. I've done (laughs) it.
1: I'm speaking from experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just that's so much been a part of. Unfortunately, probably years of my of my walk. It's it's the same thing. It's not knowing exactly who I was. So I was acting out of more of a false self than who I really am and who, who it is that God wants me to be, my mm-hmm. true identity. And yet I was taking on maybe some false identities or living in my shadow side, to use some psychological words, but yeah. out of my shadow side, instead of bringing those shadow things into the light, dragging them into the light so mm-hmm. I could live in my true identity and purpose and ultimately the, the destiny that God has for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So... How would you encourage a man to step up as a biblical warrior if he's confused in this way?
1: Well, the first step would likely just be greater understanding of what a biblical warrior is or what a spiritual warrior is. Because I think that, unfortunately, society seems to misunderstand to the point where even in law enforcement, I still serve as a law enforcement officer. I travel around the country lecturing to law enforcement Mm. on being a modern day warrior. Yet there's a great tension and an antagonistic approach to warriorship, which is referring to law enforcement as guardians. So there's this tension between being a warrior and being a guardian. And Mm -hmm. some departments are outright not encouraging the use of the word warrior for their officers, because the concern is the implications for an officer aligning their thinking with that of warrior would be harmful for the relationship they would have with the community. And that's just a misunderstanding of what a warrior does. So the biblical warrior that we ground ourselves in could very well be David. David is a shepherd. So think about the implications of being a shepherd. A shepherd has to guard their flock. Yet at the same time, the shepherd who's guarding their flock, there's the argument for the guardian, Mm -hmm. that same shepherd, if the shepherd were to become aware that there was a threat to the flock at the outskirts of the forest, the shepherd is going to pursue the threat. They're not going to wait for the threat to steal away with one of the flock. They're going to do everything they can to prevent harm in the first place. Hmm. That's the warrior. So if we're only guardian, that means we're with the flock protecting the flock. Excellent. But we're not taking the necessary steps to prevent harm to the flock. Whereas the warrior, they're looking, they're actively out there looking for what could potentially be a threat to the flock. Hmm. that's what's different. So for law enforcement, think about the implications now. If a law enforcement officer is solely focused on guardianship, they might as well stay at the police headquarters and just wait for someone to call 911, and then jump in their car, turn on lights and siren, and go to the scene of the crime. Is the perpetrator there? Nope, they're gone. Why? Hmm. Because the crime already happened okay, how long is that gonna serve our community? What we want as a community is we want officers who are out there finding criminals and stopping the crime before it happens. Well, guess what that is? That's a warrior. Hmm. (laughs) So if we kind of reverse engineer this illustration from where it matters most, kind of where the rubber meets the road, we can begin to see the implications for everybody. We need to have both faculties. We need to be warriors. We need to be guardians. We have to have both faculties. It's just that if we're only the guardian, if we'll protect our family once the burglar's inside our home, but we'll do nothing to prevent that same person from making entry in the first place, we are not walking the path of what the Bible is referring to as a warrior.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And I think that there's even the principles that you're bringing about are also accurate when you just talk about a man who's spiritually leading his home. It's, mm-hmm. it's the exact same principle. It's, mm-hmm. it's one being simply defensive is just kind of like sitting there and okay, you know, I'm, you know, just more so the watchman than the warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the word you use, but you know, the warrior would be the one who's like, Hey, okay, if, if there's, we want to, we want to uphold, you know, like Joshua as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. So that, that right there is a, that's a warrior pose, if you will. Mm-hmm. That is, that's a stance of saying, no, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, no, we've already drawn our line, you know, to use Mark Devine's uh, terminology, we've, we've made our stand, Mm -hmm. you know, and he talks about this in the way of the seal it's like to take your, what is your stand? What is it that you are? you know, this is the, this is the line in the sand. This Mm -hmm. no more. Mm -hmm. That kind of perspective, even spiritually speaking to where if we don't have a warrior, perspective, we simply just, you know, we're just kind of waiting for everything to happen to those in our home spiritually. So mm-hmm. we just release our kids without them being even prepared for the world. You know, if our kids go to college or they go to work, we're not preparing them. We're not letting them know what's going on. We're just, hey, just come back home and everything's fine. It's kind of, you know, it's a perspective of just putting your head in the sand and just let life go on around you. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a and unfortunately, that is a I think a very common dynamic. Mm-hmm. And what you pose here is is really just a whole shift of perspective and purpose as a man, you know, to be that biblical warrior, to to you know, be the, the protector and, and to be present at home, but also preparing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, for what may come.
1: Yeah, and you think about the implications of the warrior. One thing warriors historically do very well is they have keen perception of variables Mm. that need to be brought under greater self-discipline. Right. So think about two warriors squaring off with each other. What these warriors are doing, and we see this in modern application of mixed martial arts and boxing, as those warriors are circling each other, but they're both assessing potential kinks in the armor. Mm. Like, where isn't this person trained? where's the kink in the armor? Where can I infiltrate? Where Mm. can I attack? In other words, what variable of this person's training is not sufficient? Mm. What have they missed in their training? I'm going to attack in that spot. Excellent. So as men, as we adopt the mindset of warrior, what this calls us to do is to make an assessment of the totality of the variables of our life and discipline them all they Mm. all need to be brought under our influence and our discipline Mm. so this is the case for physical fitness this is the case for nutrition this is the case for studying and memorizing the word of god like every variable conceivable that we could be attacked on needs to be strengthened
0: Mm. which that leads me right into the into the four pillars the things that was Uh, That we just really briefly touched on with Luke 2.52, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. Of course, the four pillars of a new kind of man are there. And I think that these four pillars are there's a a warrior ethos or a warrior ethic to be found in all four of these, Mm -hmm. whether it's in the intellectual realm, the spiritual realm, the, the physical realm or also the relational realm. Mm hmm. Because I mean, there's there's an enemy that opposes us in all four of these. Mm-hmm. So I believe that it takes that warrior archetype to be developed, so that we can be on the offensive against these things, to be prepared and to be to be able to defend ourselves intellectually as best we can, and spiritually and physically, and also relationally, knowing that that we have to be able to connect with those that are around us. And and I mean, I think this is you know pretty pretty elementary, but. I mean, that's, that's an area that men aren't very good in. You know, we're not very good in the area of relationships and emotional health and, and emotional depth. So I think that there's, there's definitely some of the warrior archetype that needs to be developed in all of those.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So how has, how has Luke 2.52 helped to shape and change your life?
1: Well, first, the backstory on how I came across that. I, I was doing the Bible study. December I think it was 2016 or 17 and I I read that in the gospel of Luke and uh, you know it, it was it was a vaguely familiar verse but this particular morning after I read it it was like the holy spirit you know put the brakes on <laughs> I love it yeah. yeah and 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 you know I, I I didn't hear you know distinctly the voice of god but Kind of what I got in my mind, and it wasn't my voice. Hmm. This voice was like, "Did you? Did you really read that? Did you really see that?" Hmm. And I went back and read it again, and I read it again and again. I'm like, "Oh man, how did I miss this? Hmm. This is big." <laughs> and it, it was so big that that one verse that became the subtitle for. Uh, year-long daily devotion. I mean, I did a deep dive into studying the Word for the purpose of equipping people with Mm -hmm. a year of daily devotions centered around this idea that every single day for the rest of our life, we need to be increasing in these areas. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus and follow our Lord, this is the implied path of discipleship or followership that we're on we should be equipping ourselves and improving and increasing in these areas as well
0: i need to pick that up i i the uh the bad side is you wrote the book before i did so now what am i gonna do <laughs> yeah. now i need to revamp the whole thing
1: yeah
0: no, I, th- I think it's i i think for for you and i we're just scratching the surface on on the real depth and meaning of that verse so yeah yeah i uh I will probably pick up that book, though, and just use that as, uh, as just part of my daily rhythm, just to soak in that. And and love to see what, what the Lord inspired uh, of you through that. So I want to share this verse. And then uh, this verse comes from Matthew 22, verse 37. It's a familiar verse for most people who've been either in church or they haven't been in church in a while, but it's a familiar enough verse. And this is what it says. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And again, this is, to me, this is one of those verses that I think can be just white noise to somebody who sat in churches, uh, because they're like, oh yeah, it just becomes so familiar, and just the you know familiarity breeds contempt. It's like, okay, yeah, I've heard that, I'm moving on. But I, I think that there's a powerful thing here to love the Lord God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. I think that these three categories are are really huge. So what? In, in, just from your study and your background, and you're very well versed in multiple things. What are some practices that help a man to become this type of man, where he can love God in these three areas with with his his whole heart, with his soul, and with his mind?
1: Yeah, it's so good. I mean, we could have an hour discussion here. Well, mm-hmm. I'll preface my answer with this. I asked a similar question to one of my theology professors. Mm-hmm. His answer wasn't as satisfying as I would have hoped, because what he proposed, well, this is the biblical author's way of bringing everything under the lordship of Jesus. Okay. So, yes, I'm in agreement. We should love the Lord our God with everything. There should be no area of our life that is not submitted to him. Mm -hmm. I'm in agreement. Yet, nevertheless, I think that this verse is rich in the idea that there are different faculties of our being that can be submitted to the Lord in unique ways. Mm. So our heart, this brings us back to 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Mm-hmm. The Lord looks at the heart. That's what matters most. Mm-hmm. And in the Bible, the word heart is... Similar to the way that we may use the word subconscious mind So our conscious mind I can think rationally in my mind using my consciousness I love God Yet if deep in the recesses of my mind or to use the biblical word heart My nature is still sinful Which the author adamantly says it is (laughs) Then there's this tension in my own being
2: mm-hmm.
1: part of my mind loves the god the other part of my being is rebellious to god yet that's what jesus is saying needs to be ultimately submitted to god is my heart mm-hmm. then we had this idea of loving with strength we had this idea of loving with mind ultimately these all need to be interne- uh, integrated there you know there's right. cohesion between them all mm-hmm. um but, but, but it certainly begs the question like, are there, are there certain disciplines that, that, that are better suited for particular means of submission than others? Mm-hmm. So for example, if I'm gonna love the Lord with all my strength, well, in exercise, when I'm exercising, I can come face to face with not just the, the, the theoretical understanding of the application of strength, I can actually physically embody the sensations, the physiological sensation of strength bearing. Hmm. And now I know what that means. And now I relate to myself and I think, okay, am I getting that same exertion? Is that same effort being applied in loving God? Hmm. Right? Hmm. And, then, and then I think about the affections of my heart. I, I feel like my, my my heart the the way that I love um, perhaps perhaps there's there's a, uh, a you know a, a figure in my life who, who my heart opens to mm-hmm. and I feel I feel love and I feel drawn to this person um, I, I'm not in an intimate relationship now but but I, I I was formerly married and I vividly recall in in the early stages of of our dating and and the engagement like the love that like the, the magnetic pull of my heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, am I feeling that to God? And then the use of my mind, like when I'm in seminary and my, my mind is wrestling with these like really challenging theological concepts and I'm, I'm pouring my, my, my intellect into my research papers that I'm writing. Okay, am I bringing that same level of contemplation into the majesty of God? Right, so, so is there cohesiveness in these three? Yes could Jesus simply be saying, love me with all you got? Absolutely. Um, however, um, if, if if we extract each one of these components, boy, there's a depth to each one that, that's like remarkable.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm in total agreement of that. I think that maybe one of the failures, if you will, that uh, that we've had within Christendom is this, is that we have We've just kind of generalized this verse and other verses like it because there's a few others that are very similar to it. We've just generalized it to mean it's like, oh, just love him with all you have, and yet mm-hmm. we're not fully integrated people, mm-hmm. meaning that, that we haven't actually brought all of those things into submission
2: mm-hmm. under
0: God's authority. Mm-hmm. Instead, kind of like, no, no, no spiritually, I know where I'm going, so, so I'm good. I'm like, no, no, mm-hmm. no, but what, what are you filling your mind with? Because there's a whole lot that... Like the apostle Paul talked about with renewing your mind. It's like, no, 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 your mind needs to be renewed. You can you can be one with God and have a mind that's absolutely cluttered. Therefore, you can't love the Lord with your mind.
2: Mm-hmm. So it has
0: to be brought into continual submission to God and then renewal. And I think that yeah. there's this is the purpose, I think, ultimately, one of the big purposes of of scriptural meditation and meditation itself is is to that renewal of the mind, taking what's there and you know, in the metacognition world to think about your thinking, you know, I realize it's not a, a Christian bit of terminology, but, but I believe that too can be uh, applied and then brought, bring scriptures in to, to really add some meat to that. It's think about your thinking. What are you thinking about? What, yeah. what are you obsessing over? You know, I was also reminded of a, a proverb and this proverb has meant so much to me. I, as a matter of fact, I, I, it was teachings around this proverb that really rescued, our marriage years ago we've been married for a long time now and uh, i don't even know yeah i can't think of the exact year but it was the the verse in proverbs 4 proverbs 4:23 4, above yeah. all else guard your heart for yeah. it affects everything you do
2: so good because, brother
0: yeah. because out of that is the place of desire it's the it's the place of desiring everything
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know the the seat of your will Mm -hmm. is, is in the heart and and everything about you is in the heart. So what the, uh, when that proverb, it just speaks so boldly and clearly, it's like above all else,
2: Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm.
0: start here. So me putting these two verses together, uh, I thinking, just thinking of love the Lord with all your heart. I'm like, you can't really love the Lord with all your heart unless you're also guarding your heart from the things that are at war with your heart. Mm
1: Thus, the implications of being a warrior.
0: That's right. So That's it right. all
1: comes back to this mindset, this archetype that we're told to embrace.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's excellent. And I love the fact that you, that you continue to go back to David because it was his heart that God had chosen him because of his heart, not because of his stature
2: exactly
0: i mean he was the youngest i don't remember were there seven brothers six brothers seven yeah and and i thought there was seven and it's like went through all of them he's like oh he's got to be the one nope oh he's got to be the one okay well yeah. we're getting down to the list here he's got to be the one nope isn't there one more who's not here <laughs> oh yeah. yeah he's out in the field tending the flock he's yeah. the one go get yeah. him which yeah. is amazing yeah. uh, so We're talking about spiritual practices and I want to clear up maybe some confusion for some other Christian men out there and just really Christians generally. And I know that you, uh, you have a type of yoga that you have. I I think it's actually, it's your own brand or I I don't know how to term it, but your own type of yoga. I'll just say that, that you are a proponent of and those kinds of things. So I just want to ask this question in just a, a yes or no, and then I'll ask a follow up question or two or three or five. I don't know. But the <laughs> first, first question is going to be is should Christians do yoga?
1: Well, it depends on our definition of yoga. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because that question could just as easily be should Christians stretch?
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: You know, Is yoga a stretching practice? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Should Christian men learn the fundamentals of deep breathing? Yeah, okay, yoga can help. Should Christian men learn principles of posture to facilitate stillness of the mind? Sounds good to me. Mm -hmm. So very often this just comes down to understanding the nomenclature of the words that we're using and distilling myths that may have crept into our mind about what words may or may not mean
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i I, i'm really thankful that you cleared that up because a lot of times that is what it becomes and really in, in my own understanding that's what it had become before i'd started to kind of look outside of my my normal sphere and understand uh what yoga is i remember my first real Deep dive, if you will, into yoga. And it's not really a deep dive, certainly with the man of your capability and depth into that that area. But I remember going through uh, the P90X, the original P90X workouts. Oh, yeah. And I'd made it through all the other workouts, but I could. And it's an hour and a half long. That yoga is an hour and a half long in P90X. I could not make it through. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I couldn't do all the poses. I tried multiple times. I could not do it. I never could get through it. And I thought, hmm. You know, there, there's always this this little tongue-in-cheek thing, oh, yoga is for women, that kind of thing, which <laughs> absolutely blew that out of the water. I'm like, no, there's definitely something here and something that I wanted to, to get into and give you an opportunity to share because I think you have a unique perspective. So how can a man grow spiritually by using it? So we've, we've defined what, it, what it's not, and we've talked about some of the stereotypes that go around it then cast shade upon it. How can, if if a man wants to do it, so it becomes more than stretching or deep breathing, although those things are good, Mm -hmm. and and those are things that people need to do as well, my opinion, Um, I believe it's yours too, but how can a person grow spiritually by using yoga or a form of yoga? And you can even talk about the form of yoga that you are a proponent of.
1: My form of yoga would just be Christian yoga. So it's a Christian practicing yoga and i'm also a christian practicing krav maga i'm a christian practicing crossfit (laughs) so i'm in these different disciplines yet i'm still there
0: what you can be a person of faith and operate in those (laughs) other areas no no no. it's either one or the other
1: (laughs) sadly that is a dominant thought in many religious institutions yet right. we bring who we are everywhere we go right which in many respects is the point of evangelism right jesus said go into all the nations well in many respects crossfit is a micro demographic or a micro nation the krav Maga studio i go to in los angeles that's a right demographic or micro nation for me to be a christian hmm. and to bring the good news of the gospel Same principle applies in a yoga studio. Hmm. I can sit down on my mat, practice yoga next to a Hindu. Hmm. I can sit down in a plane next to a Muslim. I can participate in a CrossFit workout in my studio with an atheist. These are all opportunities for me to demonstrate someone following Jesus to be a representation or a model or an example in real time of the gospel. This is what it really looks like to be a Christian. Watch. <laughs> right? As opposed to come watch me be a Christian on Sunday at 10 a.m. Right. No, no. It's watch me be a Christian in everything that I do. I'm never not a Christian.
0: Right. That is that is excellent. And that, that bit of understanding helps – I think it helps a lot of us because it's, I think we can, we can slice and dice things so much to where, you know, we, we, we take on the Christian persona or we take on whatever persona of where we are. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if we go to the gym, then we're the gym guy, or we go to, you know, with you, Krav Maga, there's, that doesn't exist around where I am. Um, Please put in a studio here. I would go, please do. Uh, You have the power, Greg, do it, please. Uh, But you know all these things. I think we can kind of take on the persona as to where we are. But if if you're a man of faith, if you are in Christ, then being in Christ doesn't cease. You know when you walk outside the church doors, it's it's a matter of who you are. This is the this is the being before doing, right? So it's like this is part of your being, the identity, and it's the doing. Uh, and if if I'm understanding you correctly, it's the doing. It, it exists on a yoga mat. Uh, whether you're in a police car and you're taking you're on the the forefront, living out that warrior ethos, protecting people in your community, or if you're on a battlefield, it's, it's just, it's who you are. So it's lived out wherever you are.
1: Exactly. Well said.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think that there, uh, I think there's a lot of pressure in our culture to actually keep men from utilizing the warrior ethos. I just, I just think that there is. And again, this is my opinion. I've shared some of mine and I'm not trying to to necessarily, you know, have you agree with me or not, we can definitely agree to disagree and still be friends. So that's not my intent here, but you, it, it, we are in agreement with this, I believe, because it's something that you put in your book. You said, as the nature of spiritual warfare, or excuse me, as the nature of spiritual warfare progressed from large scale to single combat, the psychology of the battle advanced from the external to the internal realm. And then you use these three different ways of explaining it, by investigating more deeply into what was happening with, with the, the tale of, of David and Goliath, which I believe mm. was actual. It wasn't some fictional story of good and evil. I believe it really happened, by the way. Yes, yes. So uh, you say that, there were, that the antagonist, in, in the midst of that narrative, said this, that, or that they were doing this, rather. Antagonist would attempt to elicit self-doubt in the warrior's mind. The antagonist would challenge the warrior's destiny, In the antagonist, would focus on the problem, not on the solution. So elaborate a little bit more on that, if you would, I I was drawn to that. And, uh, when I was going through, I haven't been able to finish all of of that book yet, but I'm, I'm way into it and I'm going to finish it. But I was really drawn to this because this really, to me, elicits what we're even seeing in the culture to where there's this opposition to the, to the warrior ethos and i think that there's even some antagonists that we can that we could see in the story of david and goliath that are being lived out today. Do you think that that's accurate or no? Yeah.
1: Oh, it's so it's so accurate, brother. For example, the external the internal realm. External battle, internal battle. Struggle for the flesh, struggle for the heart. Hmm. No sooner had david said, "I will fight this goliath." No sooner those words out of his mouth, his own brother Says, no, you can't. His own brother ridicules him, Mm -hmm. says, you don't even belong here. You're not in the army. As a matter of fact, you should be home with your few sheep, adding insult to injury. So, what this means for us is, was that an external, in that moment, was David facing an external antagonist? Yes, several. His own brother, one of them, Goliath, another, even Saul doubted his ability to fight. So were there external antagonists? Yes. For our purposes, will there be external voices telling us, no, you can't? Absolutely. Hmm. However, the internal battle means that the moment I say in my mind, I can do it, there may simultaneously be another voice saying, no, you can't. Hmm. So there's these battles taking place both out there in the world that I have to equip myself as a warrior to counterattack, to defend against. However, I also have to be able to protect my heart and my mind. That's Mm -hmm. the internal battlefield. And in many respects, this internal battle, like defeating the Goliath of my own self-doubt and fear that's the ultimate opponent or the ultimate enemy that I face.
0: Excellent. So, very, very well so, said.
1: So that unifies the battlefield because men may say, well, hey, great podcast, guys. I doesn't really apply. I'm not a warrior. I, I, I'm a teacher. Right. Well, I got news for you. Do, do you have a mind? Yeah? Okay. Well, bring some attention, bring some awareness hmm. to the quality of your thinking. And you'll find out, no, there's a battle raging in your mind. Yeah. So the
0: question becomes not, am I a warrior or not? It's, am I a good warrior or not?
1: Yeah. Ultimately. Or or, or am I, you know, what's the opposite of a warrior? Uh, Okay. A victim. Right. Right. Uh, um, You know, it's like we we kind of experience, like, um, think about the battlefield that day, right? 40 days had gone by before David showed up. What had the army, the the apparent warriors, what had they been doing for 40 days? Running away. What is that on the battlefield? Cowardice. Right. Right, what's the penalty on a modern day battlefield for cowardice? Death. Hmm. What's that mean for us? If we're cowards, we're spiritually dying.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean that's that's the, I mean that is so right on. And I think men need to be encouraged and inspired to become these warriors for God. So, what would you say? As we we're probably at the back end of this conversation, that I think it could probably go on for another three or four hours. But now we're at the back end of this conversation. What would you give just as a boost to inspire a man? Maybe he's he's kind of lost his way. Maybe he's confused. He he's you know he maybe started out as a warrior. Maybe he wasn't raised to be this this type of man, and now he's he has an awareness, what would be a couple of practical steps that he could take to embrace this, this warrior ethos or, or, you know, just this way of living?
1: Well, I would encourage that person to adopt through the power of the Holy Spirit, to adopt the personal belief that they are, you are. I mean, if I'm speaking to that listener now, Brother, you are a warrior. Mm. You're made in the image of God. God has revealed himself in the word as a warrior. Mm. You're made in that warrior image. Mm. So all we have to do is step into that identity. The Spirit will equip us when we step into that identity. Mm. Wow, excellent. That's number one, right? And then just some, that's an objective, um, or rather, rather, that's more of a subjective answer. An objective measurement would, would be think about the the spiritual armor that paul gives us um, you know this this armor was modeled after the roman armor every every piece of armor uh paul was illustrating the spiritual but the physical was mm-hmm. based on what he was seeing the romans wear right so all of that armor served the purpose of protecting the front because the Roman warrior or legion or centurion, they would not turn their back on the opponent. Hmm. So the armor was intended to protect the only foreseeable area that was ever going to be vulnerable to the enemy, the front. That also implied that they were moving in one direction and one direction only forward. Hmm. (laughs) Right? So kind of bring this all back. What does Jesus say when he calls his disciples? Follow me. Right. What happened next? They went forward. Where? Following Jesus. So we're given this this defensive armor to wear, but even that defensive armor is with the expectation we move forward with it. Yet we're also given one piece of offensive armor or an offensive tool. Mm -hmm. That is the Word of God, Mm -hmm. the sword of the Spirit. So oftentimes what we need to do is we need to saturate our mind with specific verses that speak to the warrior within us. Hmm. And when we have those moments of self-doubt or uncertainty, we have to speak the word. Hmm. We have to tell ourselves the truth of who we are. And that truth is freely given in the word.
0: Yeah, excellent. And this, this is what I was talking to about the renewal of the mind hmm so that's that's certainly an aspect of it that there is a uh, there's a forward aspect of it of again uh, not to get too deep in the weeds here but but there is a way of of keeping the darkness at bay and we do that with the light we do that with the with the Word of God mm-hmm. and yet there's also an aspect of it to where there's an internal work of it of the renewing of the minds a refreshing of the soul the spirit the emotions and all of that but but there's also this advancing nature this this uh you know just not just the internal but also the external reality mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of seizing the things that God says that we can seize by his power
1: yes, so good
0: so i uh we're at the back end of of the podcast, and I want to be a respecter of your time. You're a busy man, and I realize we only got through about half the questions, but that's okay uh. Maybe we'll we'll do this. We'll do round two up the road sometime. Yeah. But I, I want to just ask you this question: What would be three books that you would? And I'm going to put your books in the show notes, uh, the books that we've referenced. But what would be a couple, two, three books that you would refer a man to so that he could? That could he he could become the type of man we've been talking about?
1: Who my mind has been infiltrated with. So many books. I'm reading so much being in seminary. Hmm. A.W. Tozer's book, Knowledge of the Holy.
0: Powerful book.
1: Phenomenal. Alan Redpath, The Making of a Man of God.
0: Hmm. Redpath, is that what you said? Redpath. Okay. The Never Making heard of, of that one. Man
1: of God. Yeah, it's about David. Phenomenal book. Those two books provided much of the substance the foundation for the good soldier
0: awesome awesome yeah and uh and i will put the good soldier in there and then also the luke 252 devotional so we can
1: the name of that book or the title of that book is above all else okay so incidentally part of the title is from proverbs 423
0: wow i didn't (laughs) even know that yeah that's awesome I think we're cut from the same cloth.
1: I think so too, my brother.
0: That's awesome. Um, well, yeah, I, know I will only
1: two books. Although those two right now, those seem to be solid. I've also used in theological study C.S. Lewis's book *Mere Christianity*. Yep. I tend to be a bit of an apologetic in my preaching. Okay. Many of the circles that I run in, the illustrations and analogies of C.S. Lewis have been really helpful. In helping frame and conceptualize arguments for people, not arguing with them, but arguments for. Oh, the sure. Christian faith.
0: Yeah, yeah. The apologetic side of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so, and with him being an intellectual, he can also kind of dabble in that world to to speak into more of the intellectual rather than just the hypothetical yeah. or the the practical means of a walk with God, but yet intellectually. Exactly. Yeah. So. Right on. Well, I just want to say thank you very much for taking time to come on the podcast today. It's been a treat to get to talk with you. I believe we got uh, some really good content today. I've enjoyed it. I've got a lot out of it. I've been taking notes. Greg's been watching me take notes the whole time. So um, it's it's been wonderful. And I love how the conversation is shaped up. So uh, is there anything else? I'll put all of your the ways people can contact you, but is there any new work or anything that that you would like to reference, maybe something special that you want to highlight?
1: I've got several books in the hopper now. I'm just in a season of writing. Hmm. I'm working on one that I'm really excited about. Um, It's kind of a a, a work in progress, a title work in progress. But in in, in CrossFit, we say that the CrossFit gym is a box. Mm -hmm. So you'll hear people say, I'm going to the box rather than I'm going to the gym a very common term in CrossFit. And I'm convinced that God's providence is in CrossFit.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, I think back to the inception. I was on the ground floor of CrossFit before there was even CrossFit.com. The only explanation for the growth of CrossFit, the trajectory, the people that were drawn, magnetized, to this small gym in Santa Cruz at the inception of CrossFit. The only explanation is the hand of God. Hmm. So it seems that from the very beginning, God was in the box. Hmm. (laughs) So I'm working on this new book called, the working title is God in the Box. And the idea that there are now approaching 15,000 CrossFit gyms around the world. Wow. These are all potentially amazing launching pads for the gospel. Hmm. If there was someone equipped in these boxes to speak the word of God in a language or in a context that was familiar to the language that was already being spoken in the box, you have yourself a ripe new demographic or nation that the gospel can be proclaimed. Hmm. So the work entitled God in the Box would equip, whether it's the gym owner or it's a leader within the gym, it would equip them and enable them to use that platform to spread the good news.
0: Wow. I can't wait till that's released. I We have a, a CrossFit gym here in town, so I can't wait until the crew there kind of hears about it and just to see what God would do with that. That seems... Yeah. That seems very clear in your mind, so I believe that there's a, a a real purpose behind it, and I think that it's going to help many, many people. And I believe too that there is a demographic there that that you know high level athletes, very resilient, could also be with any any sort of elite physical fitness method. I mean, you could definitely fall into a pattern of selfishness where it's it's really about you and getting in your head and stuff like that. So bringing the gospel, contextualizing it in a way that uh, in in with words that they would understand, Mm -hmm. you know, in that world, man, that'd be incredible. Mm -hmm. That would be incredible because to me that that seems like that could be the missing component in CrossFit. I mean, there's community, there's there's Mm -hmm. community, there's an identity. I'm a CrossFitter, all that goes with it. There's. You know your your hardening of the of the mind, and I mean that in a good way. Not
2: yes, hardening yes. the heart
0: would be bad, but yes, yes. It, it's just kind of opening yourself up. But I think that there, if if there's a loophole, it could be into into too much of self mastery, where obviously the spirit is the thing ultimately that masters us, that we need to live in subjection to, to be mastered by. So mm-hmm. um, all that to say, I think it'd be very very powerful. And, and if there's anything that I've seen with with what I know about CrossFit and it's certainly not as much as you is that's the missing piece. Mm-hmm. It's, if there could be a truly spiritual piece that's brought in that is, that is about Christ, that could be, if, what did you say? 15,000? Yeah. Worldwide. Worldwide. I mean, worldwide. imagine, imagine those 15,000, but maybe double that and imagine a church and every one of them <laughs> preaching the gospel. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe that's the next wave. My
1: church is two or more. Right. So this is a realistic goal. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. One thing I wanted to share with you too, in terms of speaking the word of God in those moments of self-doubt, mm-hmm. I found this verse, this has become one of my cherished verses. First Samuel 16 verse 18, one of Saul's servants is reporting to Saul about David this is the report about david i have seen a son of jesse of bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. listen to this he is a brave man and a warrior he speaks well and he is handsome and the lord god is with him Mm -hmm. so i've taken that and i've made it an affirmation and i say in the first person i am brave i am strong i am well spoken i am handsome I am a warrior and God is with me and I'm not just arbitrarily hyping myself up. That's the word of God.
0: Right. That's, that's what renewal. God is
1: saying about me Yeah. about you and about every man listening to the show. So wow. this is that sword of the spirit we can bring into battle with us.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Well, I think we're going to end it on that little bit of of encouragement. I can't improve upon <laughs> that. That's great. So that just, we we're just, Taking it to the house with that. That is incredible. So again, Greg, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I just uh, look forward to the book that's going to be released and everything else that you're a part of. I'll put all the stuff in the show notes so people can kind of track your story and, and find your books. I, I, I know that they are I got mine on Amazon, so I know that you can uh, most likely get the rest of them there and kind of catch up with you. So again, thank you very much, Greg.
1: Thank you, Chad. I appreciate you. God bless you, brother. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the New Kind of Man podcast. You've been given some good manly encouragement, and now it's your turn. If you found today's content helpful, go tell a friend, and please leave us a review. Also, consider hitting that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now it's time for all of us to do what Theodore Roosevelt said. Create. Act. Get action. Do things. Be sane. Don't fritter away your time. Take a place wherever you are and be somebody. Get action.